Welcome to Woodland Church. Here is today's message. Anyways, let's uh, talk about God's Word this morning. We are finishing up a series talking about the gifts we can bring. And we started this series a few weeks ago. And a few weeks ago, we talked about the gift that we can bring to the Lord. One of them was this gift of brokenness. We looked at Psalm 51 and we looked at David's life and how David, in the midst of him getting caught in the most horrific sins of David's life, David realized he couldn't bring a sacrifice, he couldn't bring an offering to God to somehow make it right, that the only thing God expects is David's brokenness. And then last week, we talked about the second gift, and we looked at Romans 6, and we talked about the gift of death, and how we as believers, when we come to Christ, we are getting buried with him, that we die with Christ. When Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me, that cross only ends in death. But there's good news, because we may come and we may die with Jesus, but we will also rise with him. Well, today I want to talk about One more gift, a gift that God gives us and a gift that we can bring to this world. And we're going to be be looking at Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 21 through 35. And I'm going to ask for you to stand this morning as we read God's word. We are going to read this parable and this interaction between Jesus and Peter this morning. It says this, And when Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I Forgive him. As many times as seven times? Jesus said to him, I did not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Verse 23, Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to the king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he, when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents, and since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. Verse 26, so the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of the servants released him and forgave him the debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii and seized him. He began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, I will pay you. Verse 30, he refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. When his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you of all your debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have mercy on your fellow servant as I have had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debts. Verse 35, so also your heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brothers from your heart. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. Father, as we look to you, come, Lord. By your Holy Spirit, challenge us, encourage us. And we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys may be seated here. This section of Scripture starts with a very good question. 
Peter comes to Jesus in verse 21, and Peter asks Jesus this question, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times, Peter asks. Now, Peter had been following Jesus for a while here. Peter had picked up on the fact that forgiveness was an important topic that Jesus spoke about many times prior. By this point in time in Peter following Jesus, Peter had learned the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Peter knew forgiveness was an important aspect to being a Christ follower. But also, Peter grew up in that culture. Within the Jewish culture at this time, forgiveness was a major aspect as well. However, within this culture, within this time, forgiveness had limits. Forgiveness in this culture went something like this. If a man commits a trespass, a trespass against you, the first, second, and third time, he is forgiven. Within their culture, three times, someone could sin against you, and there was forgiveness that was going to be offered up to three times. But the fourth time, he is not to be forgiven. Peter, who has a big heart, comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, what about seven times? That's more than double the last, you know, more than double than what the culture says at the time. And Peter is probably thinking to himself, this is a really good answer. Jesus, how many times are we supposed to forgive? Seven? And what does Jesus say? Jesus said to him, I did not say to you seven times in verse 22, but 77 times. See, Peter is coming to Jesus wanting to know what are the limits of my forgiveness to the people around me. Peter knew Jesus, talked about forgiveness, and he knew the culture had limits. But Peter wants to know, Jesus, what are these limits? And Jesus says to him right away, I never told you seven times, Peter. Jesus, I've, or Peter, I've never, I've never said that number to you. I don't even know where you got that number from. But if you want a number, 77 times. This is what ESV says. Other translations say 70 times 7, Peter. But the whole point of this is Jesus answers Peter basically with, a, with an answer that's unlimited. Jesus is making it clear to him, we do not dare keep track of how many times we grant forgiveness. And then Jesus is going to give him a little parable. This is where it starts off in verse 23. Verse 23 says this, Jesus says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. Peter, let me explain to you what God's kingdom is like real quick. Okay? And Jesus is about to go into a classic parable that would have been used at this time. The king almost always represents God. And then you have the servants for God's people. Often obedience and disobedience servants provide a contrast within this culture, within parables, to represent righteous and wicked behavior. Settling accounts is a natural metaphor for judgment. So Jesus is saying, Peter, let me give you a metaphor. The kingdom of heaven is compared to a master who had servants 
And the master wants to go and settle accounts with these servants. Verse 24. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now let me just, we can kind of read that number, and that number to us means nothing. Am I correct here? When you hear 10,000 talents, you're sitting there thinking, what does that number even mean? Well, let me just kind of briefly explain to you what this number was at this time. 10,000 talents was an enormous number. This is borderlining what Jesus' listeners could even comprehend. A talent was the highest known within the currency within ancient Rome, and 10,000 was the highest number for which the Greek language had. So when Jesus says, let me tell you a story about a king or a master that came to settle accounts, and one of them owed him 10,000 talents. The listener at the time, it would be almost uncomprehendable. Talent, holy cow, talent is our highest form. 10,000, 10,000 is the highest, highest number that we use right now. And Jesus throws this out there. And it would be like in modern day for us to be saying a trillion dollars. Now, we, we within our culture, we hear that number thrown out a right, around a lot, right? But, you know, but, but that's mainly because we're 20... Nine trillion in debt right now. And we kind of hear those numbers. But have you ever stopped and thought about how much a trillion dollars is? I mean, a trillion. Like, people just throw that number. Well, well, it's only an extra trillion. It's only a trillion. And it's like, that's a hundred billion times ten. Like, we can't even comprehend, like, how much a billion is. A hundred million times ten. It would be like Jesus just saying, there was this man, he was a trillion dollars in debt. We can't even comprehend it. But this servant, Jesus says, could not pay the debt. Verse, 20, verse 25. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had in payment could be made. Since this servant could not pay, Everything this man owed, owned was expected of him. His life, his entire family, was all to be sold to pay for this debt. Verse 26 and 27. So the servant responds. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me. I will pay you everything. And out of pity, the master of that servant released him and forgave him of his debts. You can see the servant falling on his knees and pleading with this master. Master, I will pay this debt. But the master knows he's never going to pay this debt. This debt is far too great. This debt is, is way beyond him. Now, I, as I was studying this, I, I, sometimes questions come to my mind, and I was sitting there thinking, why did this master give out so much money? That was kind of like one of my first questions, but then I realized it's a parable and Jesus is trying to be making a point here. It's not about just how much money was loaned out. But the king knows he can't pay it. The debt is too large. He could work a hundred lifetimes and this debt would still never be paid. So the king has pity. Now we read it as pity, but that, that Greek word could also be translated as compassion. The master has compassion on this servant. The servant 
is pleading for his life. And the king has compassion, and the king releases him. Now, I just want you to think real quick. How would this servant feel? This servant is in debt that he cannot pay. It's a debt beyond himself. And they didn't have chapter 11 back then, where you can just petition. They will throw you into jail back then. But think about this. His debt is so great, he cannot pay it. It is absolutely a huge debt here. And the master says, you're forgiven. And he releases him. And this guy leaves. Think about the joy we should have. Our debt that we could not pay has been paid. And he walks out a free man. No longer in debt to the master. His trillion dollars is wiped clean. How would you respond? I would assume gratitude, amazement. Not this servant. Look at verse 28. But when that same servant went out, literally when he left the king's presence, the master's presence, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii and seized him and began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. Now, this number was not a small number in that time, but this number doesn't even comprehend, like, doesn't even compare to the debt he was just forgiven of. To give a, a brief number analogy, imagine if you were $600,000 in debt and that debt was paid for, wiped clean, 600000 and then somebody owed you a dollar. That's the comparison in numbers here. This man was just forgiven 600000 He walks out of that presence. He sees somebody who he remembers owes him a dollar and goes up to him and says, pay me what you owe me begins to choke him. You can see this guy kind of losing it here, right? He chokes him, and he says, you pay me what you owe. But the story continues, verse 29. So his fellow servants fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me, I will pay you. You would think that that would ring a bell right then and there. Verse 30, he refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. Like I said, you would think in that moment, this servant says the same words he says. Shouldn't that ring a bell? He just got done pleading, have patience with me, Master. I will pay. But it doesn't. This man owes me money, pay me. Clearly, this servant missed what had just happened. Now, back then, a debt, and I said this, a debt could get you into jail. If you had a debt that was unpaid, you could be spending jail time. That was extremely common back then. And like what I said, in America, this doesn't really like, comprehend with us because, we are, I mean, I don't know of anybody that like, went to jail for a debt they haven't paid. It's usually just bad credit, and then you, know, you, can, you can file this to the courts. But did you guys know that in Dubai, if you do not pay a debt... They will imprison you. I watched this whole uh, documentary on why is there so many supercars abandoned in Dubai? And I was like, yeah, that is kind of a good question. If you know what a supercar is, we're talking about like Lamborghinis, Ferraris, like, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of cars. And in that there, if you take out a loan for a supercar 
and then you fall on hard times, the people leave the country. They get out of there. They abandon the car because if they can't pay it, Dubai will put you in jail for, for not being able to pay that debt. Anyways, I just found that. Does that have much to do with the story? Maybe not, but now you know that don't go to Dubai, take out a supercar, and then not pay it because they will get you there. But back then, they had this whole system in place about how when you pay or when you take out a debt and if you do not pay it, there would be jail. So when Jesus is speaking this parable to his listeners, they would have comprehended exactly what is going on here. They would have completely have understood the dollar amount, the debt, the jail time. He would have understood all of it at the time. Well, the king finds out in verse 31, when his fellow servants saw that it had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Verse 32, when the master summoned him and said, you wicked servant. I forgave you of all the debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have mercy on your fellow servant as I have had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay his debt. The master comes on and says, you don't want to forgive? I just forgave you of everything. You had a debt and I wiped it clean. Now you, were, now, now you walked out of my presence, you walked out of here, and you couldn't show mercy to one of your fellow servants with you? The king's not happy. The master is upset. Okay. You want to live like that? He takes him and he throws him into jail. And we know that this guy's not getting out of jail. His debt is too great. It's not going to happen for him. But then we read... To me, one of the scariest verses within Scripture, verse 35. Jesus switches gears. Talking about a parable, he brings it back to reality. So also, verse 35, so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brothers from your heart. He shifts gears and Jesus reminds Peter, Peter, let me tell you about the heavenly Father. Peter, you came here to ask a question. How many times should I forgive somebody that has sinned against me? And then Jesus makes it crystal clear with this beautiful parable of this man that owed a lot and was forgiven. And we get this beautiful picture of this is who the Heavenly Father is. That He takes His servants who have a massive amount of debt and he's talking directly to Peter. Peter, your debt has been paid. Your massive amount has been paid. Now, how do I want you to respond to others? I want you to respond the same way the king, the master, has responded to you. The Father pays our debts. Church, you and I, whether you realize it or not, when you come to Christ, you have a debt that cannot be paid. A debt that's far too great. You cannot work it off. You cannot somehow do enough good deeds or do enough good things to somehow pay the debt that you owe because of our sins. The sins that we have committed 
against God, against our master, against the kings. But the king comes and he releases us of our debts. He frees us. He says, you're free. Colossians 2, 13 through 14 says this, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. Verse 14, By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. The debt mankind carries is great. But here, God's Word says Jesus came and He nailed that debt to the cross. That He paid the debt that we could not pay. But what about those around us? What about those who have offended us? Those who have sinned against us? who have debts to us. This is what Jesus is getting at here to the heart. He wants Peter to recognize, Peter, your debt has been paid. You are forgiven. This large debt that you owed is wiped clean. The master took care of it. And I want you to go and live this way with the people around you. I want you to recognize, Peter, how great of a debt it is. And I think it's true for us today as well. Oftentimes we can forget of how great of a debt God paid for us. That the debt was so great that God sacrificed his only son for you and for me. He sacrificed everything for us. And he paid our debt against our sins. All of our sins that we've ever committed against God are paid for. He wipes them clean. And then God says, I want you to live this way with the people around you. And I get it. People can be nasty. People can hurt us. People can say terrible things. People can do terrible things to us. But the message is clear for us to be thinking about how great of a debt God paid for us. That's the beauty of this story of this master and the servants. The beauty of it is that the the master wipes it clean for us. And then for us to go and live this way with the people around us. Now, every time I think about forgiveness, I'm going to brag on my mom real quick here. And I've probably shared this story. It's been a long week, church family. So maybe you've already heard this one. I'm not, I'm not totally sure. But my mother showed me what it looks like to forgive a debt. When I grew up, many of you have probably heard this, but I grew up, my mom and my birth father, they got divorced when I was very, very young, and my mom, my mom raised me. So then growing up, my birth father owed my mom child support, and uh, he owed the minimum for me and my sister for 18 years of our life. Well, my birth father never paid child support, and uh, what's pretty crazy about child support is that the state holds it against them. Like, it's like, it doesn't, this debt doesn't just somehow magically go away here. The debt grows and grows and grows. And when the kid turns 18, it's not like, well, the kid's 18. All that back child support is somehow gone. Well, my dad wasn't really much of a dad, and I'm not going to go into all of that. But when I was in college, and when I came to know Christ, 
My father was the first person I ever forgave. The Lord really just did a work on my heart and just all of the junk and stuff growing up. My, dad, my heavenly father showed me how great of a debt he paid for me, for me to extend that forgiveness. Well, when I was in college, I, I told my mom, I said, Mom, I'm going to try to reach out to my birth father. I hadn't talked talk to him for probably about a decade. And my mom's like, that's just a bad idea, Jeff. Don't be going down that road. But I ended up meeting with him. And several months later, I'm talking to my mom, and my mom says, I think I'm going to forgive your, your birth father. She said, I think I'm going to get rid of that, that $30,000 in child support that he owed. And at this time, the state, states do not mess around. Like, like my mom like, owned a lien on his house, and there was all sorts of legal matters going on there to where like, like my dad was indebted to my mom, and he had to pay it. This thing was going to stick with him the day he died and my mom just said I want to I want to wipe that debt clean and my mom contacted the, the state of Michigan and I don't think that this happens too often I don't think this is a common thing where where uh, a mom of of uh, two kids calls up a state and says yeah that uh, back child support how do we get rid of it and my mom called them and she worked through the legal process it actually took it took a lot of work on my mom because the state doesn't want to just release that. But my mom just, she was persistent and she said, no, I want this debt to be canceled. I want it to be paid for. It's over. And my mom said, I, Jeff, I'm, I'm tired of living with that debt. And she wiped it clean. And she signed off on it. The lien on his house was no longer there. The money, gone. He no longer owed it. And my mom just washed her hands of it and said, I'm, I want to be free, Jeff. She was. To me, it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen when it comes to forgiveness here. And I love hearing stories of, I, re- I remember years ago in the 90s during, on a dateline, this, this horrendous killer killed this family's little girl and the mom and dad stood there and said, we forgive him. Forgiveness is the most powerful thing, church family. It is the greatest gift God has given us, and it is the greatest gift we can extend to to people around us. But like I said, I get it. People are people. They're sinners. They do bad things. You're going to walk out of here, and something bad is probably going to happen to you this week. Someone's probably going to say something. Someone's probably going to do something. We live in a world of offense. We live in a world where people will do us wrong. Maybe sometimes it's me doing you wrong. (laughs) But this is who our Heavenly Father is. That He gives this gift to us. All of our debts, all of our sins, everything that we could possibly owe to Him is wiped clean. And then Jesus says, I want you to go and live this way. I want you to extend this mercy, extend this gift of forgiveness to the world around you. And it will be difficult. Let me just tell you that. If you have ever tried to forgive someone on your own, I don't think it's humanly possible, but I think that when you recognize who Jesus is and how he has forgiven you, it makes it a lot easier. I know it does in my life. When I think about offenses against me, I just think, Jesus, you forgave me of so much. God, I can't. 
can't hold this against that person. I just can't. You don't hold anything against me. I don't even deserve forgiveness. But God, you've extended it my way. Lord, help me. And I think it starts right there saying, Lord, help me to extend forgiveness. Lord, you know I don't want to. You know that I'm, that I'm angry right now. You know that this person has done me wrong. Lord, but, but God, help me to extend it. Help me to just let it go. Help me to forgive them. And I think, church family, that this is the greatest gift we have to bring to this world. When men and women see forgiveness, they see Christ. They see to the core of who Jesus is. And maybe you will have that opportunity to be sharing Christ with them. But I'm telling you, when you let it go, it frees you. And you say, God, I, I just can't do it. It's not worth hanging on to. I just wanted to encourage us and challenge us this Sunday morning in this area. Because I, I know this is a message that I need to hear weekly. Because we live in this relationship world. We have relationships all around us. And there are ups and downs and there's you know, hurts and joys. And it's just like we live in this constant flow of relationship. And Jesus is trying to remind his, his followers constantly, I want you to live how I've lived for you. And this forgiveness is, is big. And there's that, there's that scary warning. If you don't go and forgive, when you meet our, your maker, he knows. He knows what's happening inside of our hearts and minds. He's not, he's not un, unaware of his people. But I don't think we do it because we're afraid of what the king will do to us. I think we do it because we want to love Jesus more than anything else. And if Jesus says to forgive, then Lord, I want to forgive. Let me pray for us this morning. I'm going to ask you to stand and the worship team is going to come and, and sing that last song that we sang again here just to be bringing praise to the Lord. But, but let's pray. Father, Father, you have forgiven us of so many debts. Father, you wipe our slate clean every day. Not by what we've done, but by what you have done for us. Father, help us, Lord, help your people to live this out. Father, help me to live this out every single day. Father, help us not to hold debts against the people within our lives. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are close to your men and women. Father, that you see our hurts, that you see our pain. And your word says that you are close to the brokenhearted. Father, remind us this week of how great your forgiveness is. Father, help us to let go of the debts that are owed to us. Father, I praise you for who you are, for how you love us. And Father, as we sing this last song, we bring honor and glory to you and we praise you for who you are. Father, do a work in our hearts now. Pray this now in Jesus' name.